0: Premier Christian Newscast. Hello and welcome to Premier Christian Newscast. I'm Tim White. Last month, 7 long years after it began, the independent inquiry into child sexual abuse or iCSA concluded by publishing its final report. Established in 2014 in response to fears of a Jimmy Savile-style abuse scandal lurking among high-level Westminster politics, ICSA has spent years examining the story of child abuse in England and Wales, hearing survivor testimonies, gathering evidence, and scrutinizing institutional failures. Now, the £186 million inquiry has finished its work and published its call for change in a sober yet devastating 468 page document the church does not get off lightly of the 17 formal investigations ICSA carried out an astonishing seven were focused on abuse linked to the church including in-depth scrutiny of both the Catholic and Anglican churches as well as several church schools bishops and dioceses. and among the horrifying accounts by victims are plenty from those who suffered at the hands of vicars priests bishops and monks so what did ICSA uncover about church-related child abuse. How will its recommendations affect congregations and church leaders today? Did the church authorities cooperate with the inquiry? Or does a culture of defensiveness still reign? And perhaps most importantly, will ICSA cause any meaningful change for victims and survivors? This week, I'm joined by a safeguarding advocate, an abuse lawyer, and a survivor to talk about the end of ICSA and what comes next. Well, thanks very much for joining us, everyone. Um, really pleased with the great panel we've got on the show this week. Could I start by going around each of you and asking you to briefly introduce yourselves? Um, Jane, why don't you go first?
1: Thanks, Tim. I'm really pleased to, to be here. Um, yeah, so I'm Jane Tribu. Um I'm a survivor of um, both familial abuse and sexual exploitation, and also um, uh, clergy, rape and abuse as a, a young adult in the Church of England. Um, I actually sit on the Church of England National Safeguarding Panel as a survivor representative. Um, and I'm co-founder of an organisation called Survivors Voices. We're a survivor-led organisation and we um, use the lived experience of survivors in um, peer support research and basically trying to change society's response to abuse and trauma. Brilliant.
0: Brilliant. Um, David, who are you?
2: Yeah, uh, I'm David Greenwood. I'm a solicitor. Um, um, that's my main job. Um, my part time job is with an organization called Maxas Ministry and Clergy Sexual Abuse Survivors. Um, and we advocate and advise survivors of clergy abuse. Um, and in my day job, um, I work in all sorts of cases, um, working against both perpetrators and organisations who control or, or employ perpetrators of sex, child sexual abuse mainly. Um, and have been working on ICSA since its inception. Um, so yeah, I'm have been heavily involved and invested in ICSA. So yeah.
0: Great. And uh, last but not least, Justin, Yeah, thank you Tim, good to be with you. Um,
3: So I'm Joint Chief Executive at 318, which is um, an independent non-denominational Christian safeguarding charity established in 1977. Uh, Broadly, we work with uh, currently over 10,000 organizations, assisting them to create safer places, however that looks for them in their different settings and contexts. So we provide training, CBS Checks, Consultancy Services, Helpline, um, and we undertake research and are also involved in um, parliamentary and governmental work. Um, So as an aside to that, I'm also Principal Advisor to the All-Party Parliamentary Group on Safeguarding in Faith Communities, and uh, for the past six years I've been Chair of the Christian Safeguarding Forum, which is a, a national... Um, network of the lead safeguarding personnel across many if not most of the mainstream Christian denominations in this country. So um, again been working in this space for quite a long time uh, was core participant to one of the investigations and expert witness to a couple of others uh, so uh, ICSA has been something we've, we've been living with for quite some time.
0: Well, this kind of podcast was prompted by, as you guys know, the 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 final report of IXA, um, which came out um a few weeks a few weeks ago as we record. Um for those who haven't been kind of following the blow by blow of IXA over the last seven years, um, could someone just briefly kind of summarize what it is and, and how it came to be set up in the first place? Do you mind if I have a go at that? Please do.
2: All right. So um you will recall, or our, our listeners will recall, uh, the Jimmy Savile uh, debacle back in 2012-2013 uh, when um, the allegations about Jimmy Savile and um, others in the public eye came to the fore. Um, from that, um, span-off allegations about um, abuse in and around Westminster, the people who were in positions of power at that point. And the clamour around 2014, 2015 became so intense that Theresa May um, decided that, um, you know, that there was so much uh, call for an inquiry into institutional child abuse that she announced that there would be one. Um, I, along with others, had been working for an, uh, a specific. Uh, inquiry, a call for an inquiry into church abuse um, in England and Wales, uh, both Catholic and and um, Anglican, but uh, that was all wrapped up in, in the announcement of Theresa May, and there ensued six months probably of um, setting the whole thing up and working out its status, um, and it eventually became a, a, a proper statutory public inquiry. Uh, not chaired by a judge, but chaired by a panel of, of three experienced people in this field. Um, it originally went through a, a couple of um, a chairpersons, um, a retired judge, um, or two or two or two retired judges, I think, um, and um, settled on this panel. Uh, it decided that its remit would be to look at. Uh, Child sexual abuse in institutional organizations, how it how they had fared um, in treating, in looking after um, their children in their care. Um, so it covered, and I'm probably missing some out here. So it covered uh, the Catholic Church, the Anglican Church, uh, children in residential schools, children in custodial institutions. Um, Hang on. It covered um, child sexual exploitation um, around the country with police forces. I'm trying to look at my piece of paper that I have on my wall. Um, it covered um, uh, accountability and reparations. Mm. It, it covered uh,
0: Westminster. Um, it
2: covered the Nottinghamshire cases
0: so it covered a lot of ground basically <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is why it were... took seven years i suppose to come come to completion uh, yeah uh, each
2: each inquiry lasted probably about three weeks and took lots of uh, lots and lots of evidence both written and oral, from from different participants and it was aimed at um, reviewing what had happened in the institutions and whether it was a good picture or a bad picture, and what needed to be done to improve the situation.
0: And Justin, I wonder if you could explain just briefly how how central a part was kind of abuse in a church context. So that, there were specific investigations into the Anglican Church and the Catholic Church. Were they quite kind of core parts of the inquiry?
3: Well, it's it's interesting to note actually that that um, of all those. Uh, strands that David has mentioned that there there were 15 investigations in all Um, and of those um, three focus specifically on um, faith or religious based context so the 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 Roman Catholic investigation the Anglican church investigation, both covering England and Wales. Um, And then um, the last of the three was um, child protection in religious organizations and settings. So that took a much, much broader view uh, of a range of um, religious contexts and settings. So those churches that would be described as non-conformist, but also a range of other religious and faith settings, um including those um within the islamic um context jewish uh, also um jehovah's witnesses you know so a very very broad catchment in that third investigation but if you think well th- three of the 15 were focused on on faith groups of one kind or another that's a significant proportion of the overall work mm. um and the the recommendations, if not the conclusions uh, of those three, really have given faith settings and communities a huge amount of work to do, unnecessarily so, because I think one of the key things has been the huge variation in practice, standards, awareness. Um, so there's, there's a lot to do. So it, 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 for those of us um, who have been reasonably close to this, um, it, it has been a significant um, element of the work that we've been undertaking, um, but there's there's much to do. I, I guess uh, the, the inquiry has concluded its public hearings and its reporting, but now the real work starts.
0: Yeah, um, Jane, you've obviously been kind of following along quite closely. Do do you think that the the churches have cooperated with ICSA? Have they kind of fully bought into what this inquiry was trying to achieve and kind of opened up in a spirit of openness and, and humility to try and be better as a result?
1: <laughs> Certainly, they have, they, um, they've, they've uh, played a significant part in the inquiries. And, um, you know, um, um, there are a lot of people that um, gave evidence or su- submitted evidence as, as part of them. Some were more cooperative than others. I would. David's probably better. <laughs> I, I wasn't present at any of the. I wasn't a core participant, so David's probably better able to comment on that than me. But from you know reading and listening to some of the accounts, I haven't listened to all of them. It's just too distressing to be honest. But there's some definitely coped more than others, and some were perhaps more remorseful than others. Um, uh, I think um, you know my involvement is more in in what the church is now trying to do to follow up the recommendations and I'm sure we'll come on to that. But I actually want to take us back to, to your first question about what is the inquiry. And I want to talk about another aspect, which is the truth project. Because hmm. uh, I want to say that the, the, the um, you know, the actual reason why this inquiry needed to happen and in some ways why it hasn't gone far enough is, is the, the um, you know, the 11 million survivors in this country. The three million people children who are abused. Um, you know, the the at least one in six children who experience abuse beyond institutions in the family. And one of the, one for you know, one of the difficulties for survivors with the inquiries it, it's it's not looked at where most of the abuse happens, which is in the family, um, and and the fact that as the inquiry has said, we have a global endemic of of child abuse, um, which which we still don't really know how to. How to, how to tackle. So this is inquiry has been so important because for the first time it's given a really significant voice um, to survivors. And what the Truth Project did, which was was part of the inquiry where any survivor with very carefully thought through support around it could contact the inquiry and, and tell your story. And I was one of over six I think around six and a half thousand people that did that. Uh, and for some of us, it was the first time we'd ever told anybody our story. Uh, and and the, the, the thing that for me was most important about the inquiries report is that the first hundred pages are the voices of survivors. It's the testimonies from the truth projects and from those that, that that witnessed in the in the in the in the different in, inquiries uh and, and it is our voices that 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 are centered in, in that report uh and and you know we we didn't need the jimmy Savile case to be saying to the world how important this is uh and many of us have, have been waiting too long and many have not survived the wait of, of this kind of door opening for our voices to be heard. Um, and I spent the night that the, the report was published holding an open space for other survivors in one of our peer support spaces online, um, and we spent quite a lot of time not talking, just so aware of the weight of grief and pain in those six and a half thousand voices and those hundred pages, um, and and I just think it's really important to honour that, that that and and actually to to. But for us, that is huge. You know, I'm 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 in my sixties. I was first abused preschool, uh, uh, and I've waited my whole life to be listened to, as as have many of the others. Um, and and obviously, we hope the inquiry will lead to a lot more than that. But that itself is absolutely massive, because because often mm. we're because we're voiceless abuse silences um, uh, and makes people invisible uh, and and this made our our experiences visible and public and you know my my, my biggest um regret about the, the the report is that it was published on the day it was and so it got buried in the news of of you know the unfortunate change of, of government of prime minister and um when actually this should have been 24 seven on the news because for, for survivors, it's, it's huge.
3: Premier Christian newscast. Premier Christian newscast.
0: And that's where I guess one of the ways people have been criticizing church institutions a long time, is is a kind of defensiveness and a refusal to kind of welcome survivors and victims' voices into the process. Um, I mean, David, I want to ask the same question to you, really. Do you think the churches kind of cooperated fully with ICSA? Did they they see the value in having a kind of outside non-church body scrutinising their own scandals and safeguarding procedures, or was it quite a kind of prickly tense relationship?
2: Yeah, it was definitely the latter. Definitely a prickly prickly tense relationship um, certainly for the the Catholic Church um, they behaved pretty appallingly throughout um, there the way that they set themselves up was to have a, a one mouthpiece for the whole um, all the diocese all the Catholic diocese in the country um, and I don't exactly know what went on behind the scenes in terms of getting... Documentation out of them um, through the statutory powers that the ICSA had, but there came a stage at which uh, we wanted to get um, someone representing uh, the organisation of the Catholic Church that um, that is kind of like the um, uh, the liaison with Rome uh, to come along and explain to us, you know. Why they had not done X, Y, and Z, and that person refused to come along, um, and refused to bring documentation about um, certain aspects of changes in their rules and, and what they knew about um, a particular set of of um, a, abuse allegations. And they just refused to come along at all. Uh, so they, I, I detect that their response has been uh, quite cynical. Um, they just tried to spin it as best they could as a PR exercise. Um, there, uh, uh, so that's that was a Catholic church response. Um, the Anglican um church response was a bit less organized, really. I think they tried to try to cooperate. Um, but the nature of their organization is that um, they're not very organized, uh, they're Lord knows how many different dioceses around the country, um, and each is is run by a bishop who has different different agendas, um, and um, yeah, the the reaction from the Anglicans was a little bit patchwork, uh, but I detect that they were trying to cooperate as best they could centrally, at least, um, and yeah, I mean they to answer your question uh, anglicans much much more willing to cooperate uh, with the catholic church and i'm sorry to talk about these two main denominations but that's really i know those two denominations the best uh, the catholics much less less willing to really properly cooperate with it i think they saw it as a nuisance really mm-hmm. yeah
0: one of the big recommendations you guys be aware in the ICSA final report is to set up new child protection authorities for both England and for Wales. Um, do you, Is that going to make a difference for some of the church cases that you're familiar with? Because there's often been calls, as you know, from survivors saying that we need more outside scrutiny and the churches should do much less safeguarding in-house and going kind to of give Give, give authority and power away. Do, do you think this X recommendation will make any difference in that area? Justin?
3: I think it's really hard to say, Tim, at, at this stage because we we don't yet have the full detail around what these child protection authorities may look like, um, the, the full extent of the powers that they may be uh, given. But what I would say broadly is that um, any, um, any agency which is established to bring greater focus to the task of child protection um, is welcome in in my view um, and I, speaking to your point of um, churches denominations relinquishing those safeguarding or child protection responsibility and i think that's an, an interesting point because what i would um, say as a response to that is actually every setting and institution must take full responsibility for safeguarding and child protection it can never um, abdicate that responsibility however um, to have somebody outside of that setting or institution with the power and authority to scrutinize to hold people to account and to bring sanctions um, where uh, where that's necessary, is an absolute must. I think that, you know, if anything, the uh, the inquiry has proven that to leave the responsibility solely in the laps of these settings and organisations um, is part of where the problem exists. Um, so to that end, I welcome the child protection uh, authorities. Uh, the, the detail will be telling. Mm.
0: Jane, I saw you Jane. nodding along there. Do, do you agree?
1: Yes, absolutely. And 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 um the detail that's in the recommendation is, is unclear whether it will go far enough to give the powers to intervene. And I think that's the point that it's not just having independent scrutiny, but is actually being able to, to take action um when 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 um things are you know uh, are, are not thoroughly um tackled or um, or when there's there's cover-up um you know we know that the church has made attempts to set up supposedly independent scrutiny through the in the catholic um safeguarding the standards authority is it The, the um and the independent safeguarding board of the church of england but neither of them are independent and neither of them have any powers uh, and, and um both are under quite a lot of criticism, right, rightful criticism from survivors at the moment. Uh and in fact, the independent safeguarding board, of the Church England, has admitted itself that it's not independent. Um so um, you know, it's 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 we we definitely need something. Um I think some survivors would like to see investigation totally removed from, from institutions like churches because they don't trust them to do it. I'm, um, with justin that actually it's important that institutions also take safeguarding seriously but uh, but but the external safety has been there because yes we've we've seen that left to themselves institutions don't investigate things well they don't support survivors well and they and they cover up and they bully and and um silence whistleblowers mm. so 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 we need both
0: yeah. One of the other things I wanted to talk about is, is the big recommendation was mandatory reporting. So that would be to create a new law, which effectively says that if you become aware, if you're a, a nominated person. So if you work in a kind of setting with children in some official capacity that you if you become aware if someone discloses to you a, a, a case or an allegation of abuse, that you are obliged by law to to pass it on to the police. Um do you think this would make a big difference to some of the church abuse scandals that we've seen in the past, or is this something really that's that that is is welcome but perhaps not massively relevant, David?
2: Can I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to uh, to change uh, to answer another question, but uh, can I just come back to the independence of course, quickly, issue, please? Yeah, I just yeah. Um So I think it's important for listeners to understand how we got to this point uh, through evidence brought out of the inquiry. There were there was scandal after scandal emerging from the inquiry, um, whereby church organisations, both Catholic and Anglican, were were aware of abusers within their midst, uh, but failed to uh, address them. Um, yeah. There's the um, Peter Ball scan- Bishop Peter Ball scandal down in uh, in Chichester. There's ample forth and Downside schools and, and the Catholic Church at Ealing Abbey, in the Catholic Church. All those scandals made um, it pretty resistible for the inquiry to decide that, look, we've got these institutions who are su- are suffering from the fact that they are um, covering up for themselves, uh, they're, they're pro- trying to protect their reputations, and so we need some kind of outside regulation. And a number of, of us lawyers came up with this idea of... Um, sort of a HSE type organisation which would oversee um, institutions that look after children um, and would have the power to, um, to monitor their performance, whether they were implementing good practice and would hopefully have the power to you know, prevent them from looking after children. And that's what we envisaged. Now, the, the, this um, Child Protection Authority doesn't go that far um, and we're hoping that we can influence government to decide to, to take it that far. But uh, it's certainly a step in the right direction.
0: Mm. Thank you. And on Sorry, the mandatory, mandatory reporting.
2: mandatory, mandatory reporting. Um, yeah, um, it is definitely worth doing. It's the same problem. These institutions, especially um, religious organisations, which are held up as beacons of, of good um, moral and ethical values, um, it's, it's really important that, that they uh, understand that uh, they can't just keep things in-house and that they can't uh, try to protect their great reputations and that they still have a good reputation by and large with most of the population, uh, that if faced with this type of uh, allegation, they must report it outside to someone who is outside the organisation and is thus independent.
0: Justin?
3: Yeah, I think it, it might be helpful to uh, your listeners to, um, to know that actually it might surprise them to know that in this country, in England and Wales, that there is no law currently that requires an individual to um, report the fact that they know or suspect child abuse. Um, many of your listeners will, would be shocked to hear that but that that is where we are at. Uh, And I think therefore, um, a law requiring mandatory reporting is is what is needed here. Um, Again, as we've said with other things, um, the detail will be all important. And and I think um, so far what we have is a very flimsy and dare I say inadequate um, set of arrangements being proposed around mandatory reporting. Um, we must understand who does this apply to? In what contexts? Who do they therefore then report to? Um, and what are the penalties for not doing so? Um, you know, th- this detail is of critical importance to the success of any mandatory reporting. Anything short of that um, absolute clarity will fail children um, yet further. So it's absolutely critical we get this right if we're going to proceed with with mandatory reporting in any shape or form in this country
0: yeah some of you will know that it's been quite controversial mandatory reporting within anglican and catholic church in particular because of the kind of historic confidentiality of confession and there's been kind of calls from some within the church that there should be an exception carved out for for things that priests are told during confession, so they're not obliged to break the confidentiality of confession. Do you have any time for that argument, or do you think it just needs to be uh, a flat across the board, no kind of religious exemptions uh, applied? Jane?
1: I think it's a bit of a straw man, t- to be honest, because I think it, it, it's statistically it, it, it's um, going to be a small number of cases that that applies to. But no, religion cannot make a moral argument that it is it is um above the law whatever whatever the situation um and and however theologically difficult that is for us to sit with Uh, you know and i mean i had an anglo-catholic upbringing i've taken confession so i understand the theological arguments about it but but actually the the safety of a child is more important and we know from research in america undertaken with catholic priests um, who'd um, who committed offences against children, that they actually used confession to give themselves moral permission to go back and abuse again. So so it's, it's something that, that encourages a child abuse rather than preventing it. So I think, you know, I've, I've not got a lot of patience with that, really. Um, but I don't think it's particularly important in, in the scale of things. It's not the most significant thing. The significant problem I have with the proposal in ICSA around mandatory reporting is it is only if there's allegations or you're certain that you know you've kind of witnessed the abuse. You, you know the abuse is happening, and the majority of us as survivors don't report our abuse at the time it's happening. In fact, it's on average 22 years later before anybody reports, um, and and um, the majority of abusers don't admit it. So we actually need mandatory reporting that acts on suspicion, not just allegations, for it to really make a significant difference. Mm. um so it is important but i don't think it's the most important thing at the moment unless it's unless it's strengthened um mm. so that yeah like like most of the x report you know the, the 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 work is in the detail mm. that, that that's to be argued over as we try and get government to implement it i think
0: yeah well we're, we're close to running out of time but i wanted before we finish just to go around each of you and ask a kind of big picture question if i may which is um are you confident? Are you optimistic? Are you hopeful that the work of ICSA will push churches to take fur- to go further and become kind of truly safe environments for for children? Do you, Do you feel like ICSA is going to make a big difference in this in this long battle you've all been engaged in over many years? Um, Justin, could I come to you on that one first?
3: Um, look, I, I I have to say um, yes. That there, there has to be hope here that um, the recommendations and and, and all the work over the past seven years of the inquiry will make a difference. Um, We've we've already talked about the variation in the appetite to engage. Um, I I don't expect that we will necessarily see much change in that when it comes to um, implementing whatever the confirmed or adopted recommendations are. But I think we all have a role to play here Um, 318 as an organisation certainly believes that it has a role to play here in not only um, uh, spotlighting the issues, the concerns, the recommendations and what action might need to be taken, but um, just to be a part of uh, trying to level up on standards across the piece in relation to safeguarding and child protection. So I think we all have a role to play. I mentioned at the beginning, um, and so did Jane, the all party parliamentary group on safeguarding in faith communities. Um, That is a group of interested parties coming together with parliamentarians to, amongst other things, make sure that these sorts of issues stay very much on the table. That where necessary, we bring pressure to government departments to to tackle the issues appropriately, um, but also to lend our support Because I think we we have to remember that the, particularly the faith community in this country is is made up of hundreds, if not thousands of different communities with their own perspectives, takes, challenges, problems and opportunities. Um, So uh, there is a task for us to, um, to lean in wherever we can and ensure that the voices of survivors are continuing to be heard. That practices improve, resources are uh, increased, and that ultimately um, finance is made available um, and matched with a will to make a difference at governmental level. So there's a lot for us to do, but I have to hold on to hope that there can be some change here. There hmm. must be. Well,
0: I think it's only really appropriate. We've got a minute left, but Jane, to give you the last word, um, do you are you hopeful? Do you do you share optimism that that ICSA might you know lead to fewer survivors of church-related abuse in the future?
1: I, I think if it, 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 the recommendations are implemented well it it it, ha- it definitely can make a, a significant difference and, and it's a potential lever for some of the other differences that need to happen. I'm not sure it's addressed the most important issues, so I think it's a starting point rather than the final word. You know, And I think from the church's point of view it, it doesn't centre the 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 kind of cultural and theological change and the and and the change of heart and compassion that is actually what we need. You know, we shouldn't need mandatory reporting in the church to safeguard children and respond well to survivors. It is our it is our the fundamental to our calling as Christians. I'm still a Christian, surprisingly, and um and, and it is fundamental heart of our gospel. To be in solidarity with the poor and oppressed and the damaged and the hurt and to walk alongside. And the thing that the church should be leading the way in facing the dark side of life that is in all of us, actually, uh, and dealing with that with 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 integrity and compassion. And the ICSA report isn't going to fix that. And that's where the church is failing. That's the ultimate failing in the churches, I think, in all the faith communities. Yeah. But it's a good start.
0: that's it for this week's Premier christian newscast but if you've enjoyed what you've heard please do leave us a review on whatever podcast app you use and why not also tell a friend about the show don't forget to also subscribe to the podcast on your phone or tablet to ensure that you receive each episode automatically sent to your device week by week thanks for listening and we'll see you next time
3: Premier christian newscast